Hi, I'm Nathan Gasperick, and welcome to WinnipegHockeyTalk.com podcast number 77. Today I'm going to be joined by my regular co-host, Gerald Manchelenko. Well, Manny, um, the Jets started out the week a little wonky, uh, coughing up a game to Pittsburgh at home where they had the lead, but they rattled off three wins the rest of the week to go 3-1 and one and are sitting at a fairly solid 16-8-2 in the Central Division. Uh, overall thoughts on the week? Well, I'm still trying to catch my breath after this game here tonight against the Rangers. It was, uh, you know, my family was sitting there watching the game with me, and and I had a little bit of an edge to me the way that game was going because it had, you know, a victory sort of pulled away from them uh, by a, a great goaltending performance by uh, Henry Lundqvist. So what can you say about his performance other than it was spectacular and but you know, three games in a row. We saw the beginning of the week a bit of a a bit of a unfortunate giveaway of a game, and uh, we tried to do it again last night. But uh, I think that game was a little different in terms of how we gave up that lead. You know, you, but it come down to a penalty at uh, the wrong time of the game, and and then once you're one goal down, it's sometimes it, it happens, right? Like you're going to give it up. So. Uh, overall, you have to take uh, take the week in in stride and say it was a good week. Yeah, you're, you're referring to the penalty by Sherratt with about what five or six minutes left in the Jersey game. Yeah, and that happens. It was like that was the crack that they needed to open the door, and it was a That's weak, right. a weak call again. Absolutely. Uh, we'll get into officiating later. I got a couple of officiating questions for you, but nice to bounce back, and it's nice to to. I mean, especially in these Eastern games. Eastern Conference games where you don't really give a shit if it goes so over time and you don't care about the three-point games. But you can't have these when they're conference and divisional games. You have to get the clean wins. These points don't didn't hurt us. Uh, we got the full boat to points, so, uh, you know, good on them for, for getting it out. It's, you know, and if it's, you're going to give up, uh, if you're going to play three-point games, uh, good timing uh, that we're on an Eastern road trip. Oh, well, for sure, and, yeah. You know, so it, it's not going to hurt us in terms of uh, where we stand. You know, and, and in spite of what people think, and I, you know, I can't help but reiterate this enough. People don't understand how hard it is to win on the road. I mean, you look at the Rangers, their home record right now is 10-4-1. That's the record of an elite team. They're not very good on the road, but, you know, you can tell. They're, they have a good veteran goaltender. They've got a young team with a ton of injuries. But, you know what, it's just, it's hard to win on the road. So, you know, you've got to give the Jets credit here. They, you know, they won back-to-back nights. You know, in the New York area, they have to finish off this road trip in Long Island, or actually, they're playing in Brooklyn. Yeah, it's uh, they've already it's already been a successful road trip, getting the the two out of the three games. So, if they can uh, get the next win, uh, great, that'd be awesome. Come home for a few more, and uh, let's get something put together. This uh, these last two games kind of reminded me a lot of Nashville last year. There were so many games they were out of it late in the third period, and they'd get a greasy goal to tie it up and win it in overtime or a shootout. That is maybe the, the mark of a good team when you win games. I'm not going to say the Jets shouldn't have won these games because they were full. I mean, <laughs> Lundqvist was the only thing between them and a solid easy two points tonight or, you know, versus the Rangers. But uh, how many point blank shots? I mean, Connor in overtime with that uh, slide across wow. the crease. Uh, that's just ridiculous, yeah, you know, no. and there were so many, this could have been a six, uh, six, one or six, two game, uh, you know, because if as a young team with all the injuries, as you point out, you get up a couple of goals as we saw Montreal do last night and, and a team 
that is that young and uh, is is not going to rebound the same way. And so, you know, they were probably thinking they were in pretty good spot up three nothing going into the third. And but uh, you know, thank God for uh, you know a quick goal uh, in in you know by by Shifley there. So. Yeah, I mean, the Rangers, uh, they scored their third goal and their 10th shot and thought they were living a pretty charmed life, didn't they? But yeah, timely power play goal and uh, momentum started to swing and you could see it coming. And then when uh, William Little scored that goal to tie it up, I actually jumped in my chair. It was pretty good. But uh, <laughs> let's, uh, let's just uh, wrap up a little old news now. It's not that old, but uh, Patrick Laine has been named uh, the first star of the month for the month of November with... Uh, 18 goals in 12 games. I think that was pretty well unanimous. Uh, you can check out my random thoughts tomorrow morning for uh, a little thought I had on that that you might get a chuckle on it. But uh, he had a great month. You put to put it in perspective, only one player scored more goals in a month, and uh, you know the name escapes me, but it was 19. And then he, they did a little uh, schematic on it uh, during the during the broadcast here tonight. So um, you know he's an elite company in terms of. Uh, you know, I'm not going to put a lot of stock into it in terms of the big picture, but in terms of a one-month window, you know, only one person has scored more goals in, in the history of the game Yeah, in, in a month. Yeah, and, and this is not exactly the uh, the scoring era, you know, with the small goaltenders and, uh, you know, and <laughs> the guys getting 150 points a year. Uh, so that even makes it a little more impressive. You know what what Line is doing right now currently, and what Ovechkin's been doing the last ten years is super impressive. Uh, I'd like to see what these guys would do back in. Well, all evens. I was gonna say I'd like to see what they would do back in the in the heyday of the Lemieux-Gretzky area. But see, back in that era too, there was a lot more clutching, grabbing, and interference. And a big slow guy like Line might not get that open ice. So it, it kind of all balances out. I I don't want to be one of those old guys that goes, "Well, you remember the old days when this and that," because Every era is different. These guys are great in their own right, but uh, nonetheless, it's uh, fairly impressive. But let's move on to something I wanted to ask you about. Um, we were watching the Chicago game, and I think I might have texted you and said something about uh, something to the effect that damn fourth line, you know, they want playing time, and Chicago scored three, I think, out of their first four goals, Chicago's scored on our fourth line. Hmm. And you said... Reiterate, remind the fan or the the listeners what you said. Over the last few games, uh, Patan and, and Lemieux are no longer in the lineup, and, there you go. and and Appleton has come in with a, quite frankly, a different style of game than those two other players. And this, you know, it's no knock against Patan and 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 Lemieux, but Appleton's come in with a great approach, and he's a super aggressive, and and he absolutely complements uh, Roslovic. And then you throw Perot into that mix, that line is now dynamic. Well, and, yeah, in fairness, and like, like I'm saying, I'm I'm kind of mocking myself here because yeah, Cop was out, right? Mm-hmm. So Perot went up. You know, the mule and those guys come in. So like, like to your point, when everybody is, you know, when it when it is what we hope it's going to be, you have the Lowry line back intact, and now you've got a choice of guys, and uh, Patan and Lemieux have drawn the short straw with uh, Perot going down to the fourth line with Appleton and uh, and Rossovic and Appleton's he's a big body that can skate uh, absolutely uh, so let to continue your point I mean he's had he had he's had uh, legitimate scoring chances to you know in these first two games 
you know, he got a point, uh, you know, congratulations to him on, on getting his first point, but yeah, he could have easily had a goal in and a helper last night and, and he was dangerous again, uh, tonight. Yeah, no, uh, uh <laughs> it's been two games. It's only, I mean, it doesn't, the sample size doesn't get any smaller than two games, but that fourth line looks very exciting. Boy, they can skate and, uh. Sample size, sample size aside, if you take another two-game window and you look at what Lemieux and Patan have brought to the table, it's a different. It's it's different, and and it's not as aggressive. You know, uh, uh, Patan likes. You know, he's a little sort of let the play develop kind of guy. Where Appleton's like, I'm going to go and I'm going to force the issue, and and his development over the last, uh, you know, last year and coming into this year is showing. And you know what? I think I like our team a whole bunch better now with that being our fourth line. And, uh, you know, they don't need to score every, every shift, but for crying out loud, are they, you know, are they creating havoc? They've got so much speed. So I'm excited about it. Well, I mean, you look at his ascent to the NHL, Right, he is. He was in the 2015 draft, and I believe he was drafted in the sixth round. I think he was 165 or 168, somewhere in that range. So to be in the NHL in, in 2000 in 2018, it, it's pretty amazing. And not only that, as a rookie last year, he was uh, what was he? It was like 60 points in 70 games, something like that, and. That's pretty impressive. Was he not? Was he rookie of the year? He was rookie of the year in the AHL last year with twenty-two goals and forty-four helpers for sixty-six points in seventy-six games. And the thing that's funny, you look at his, uh, you look at all his stats starting from uh, well, his last year in the USHL. Uh, he wasn't a point-a-game player there. His two years in college, he he had good numbers, but he wasn't a point-a-game player there. And to carry that trajectory to first-year pro. And be in that, you know, he wasn't a, also wasn't a point a game player there, but he was like, you know, probably a point eight five or a point nine point per, per game. That that's impressive. And uh, and he's at eighteen points with eight goals uh, over nineteen games to you know this year with the Moose. So he's on a point per game pace uh, here again this year. So it's pretty impressive. Yeah, is he going back down? I, you know what? Um, it's he has certainly forced some decision-making here going forward. Um, there's no question about it. Uh, you know, Cop has looked good since he's come back, and and, and that line looks solid, uh, um, and and they just complement each other, right? Like, those that all those three guys work well together, and that's you can't, can't mess around with that. And now with Appleton coming in and showing what he's shown, um, you know what, I... I think you got to leave them, leave them together, and you know, let let him play himself out of that that opportunity or that situation. He brings he brings a lot to the table, and you know, unfortunately, uh, you know, Patan and Lemieux are going to have to uh, you know wait for something to happen. Well, I was in done, my opinion, yeah, and I you know, I, I was hard on Lemieux after the uh, the match penalty. You know, in the global series, and I basically said right then and there, uh, uh, I could care less whether I whether I saw him again. I think he's a. Uh, if it wasn't for his name, he'd be a career AHL guy anyway. I think he's done now. I don't know how, in in good conscience, the Jets could possibly 
send Appleton down and keep Lemieux over him. I think uh, I think Lemieux is done, and I think Patan could be done. I mean, Patan could be the extra forward, and but I don't see Patan drawing into the lineup. It's good much depth. Now, much now, though. Yeah, it, it, it is good depth. It's good depth, right? Yeah, so yeah. Yep. you can't uh, deny that. You know, and I was thinking, boy, you know, you know, maybe come trade deadline, they do something to help Patan, uh, you know, get more ice time or something like that. But then I was thinking to myself, why why be quick, you know, to uh, start that conversation after Amel, uh, Appleton's had two games? It's, you know, but he certainly has the skill set that I think is a better fit for the overall game we want to play. Uh, and, and that's really what it comes down to. He is showing something to me that is a better match to how the, these lines, these three other lines want to roll. And these guys can come and eat up some minutes and, and, and be, you know, in the right matchup, be, be dominant. You know, ba- based on Appleton's past, uh, it was kind of like with Kyle Connor. I kind of cut him a little bit of slack, you know, coming from the USHL and coming from um, NCAA. I didn't expect a lot of grind in their games. I figured that was something they were going to have to learn and pick up. And I was really fearful for Connor because I just didn't see him getting it. The time in the moose was well spent. Um, Mason Appleton, when he gets a bit more of a feel for the pro game and the, the daily grind and what it takes to win, and especially as a fourth line guy, maybe be a bit of an energy guy with skill. Like I just I like his ceiling. I think he's gonna he's a he's a pretty big body and he can skate. Um so I I like the addition of him on that line. I could see him maybe even killing penalties at some time. And uh I could actually see that line morphing into the third line. If I mean, if you want to put numbers on it and see Lowry, Tanev, and Kopp being our fourth line, and uh, it, you know, and Paul Maurice can use those lines situationally, right? If we're if we're I, if, if we're winning a hockey game, you you roll out Lowry's line a little more. If we need goals, offense, you, you roll out the Rossovic line a little more. It's a nice nice thing to have, isn't it? Oh, absolutely, and 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 I again, I don't want to you know jump the gun here too fast, but uh, and and I'm just going to re- reiterate what you know what I said is that Appleton has shown something that the other two guys have not, and it's a and and as a result, the chemistry that Appleton and Roslovic developed last year yep. uh, is is cl- quite clear. And chemistry between two players cannot be denied. And then that's as much about, you know, you can have a more talented player, but if there's chemistry, well, you know, we'll look at uh, the Lowry line. Uh, if there's chemistry, you leave them alone and and let them go do their thing until they prove otherwise. Or you know, so I'm I'm kind of I'm I'm of the opinion Appleton sticks around for a while. He's he certainly have earned, has earned another look. No, I I hey, I agree. Uh, here's the question of the year. What the hell was Kyle Dumbass thinking? William Nylander at 6.9 for 6. Are you freaking kidding me? Are you kidding me with that contract? There, <laughs> there are a lot of pissed off GMs in the NHL right now. With all these RFAs, they're actually better than him coming up this, this, uh, this summer, including our own. Two of our own, but one of our own for sure. And this is the question I'm going to ask you, Daryl. If not based on market, not based on some kind of Chevy voodoo magic, just based on this contract alone, if Nylander got six point nine by six, what does Kyle Connor get? 
Well, certainly he's scored more goals, and it's going to have to be higher than the 6.97. You know, this is a $7.5, 8000000 dollar player in Kyle Connor. You know, it, based on this contract and this contract alone. You know, here's a player who's got, you know, obviously more games under his belt than NHL games than Connor does. So you might be able to leverage that in, in contract negotiations. But uh, I tell you, Kyle Connor, uh, 31 goals. And, and in the last two years, uh, Nylander's only got 22 and 20. So, you know, 61 points in both years nonetheless. So he he's able to you know, compliment uh, Matthews uh, quite well in terms of some of those uh, assists. But you know what? I, I'm i of the opinion Connor, as of right now, is likely the better player. So it is problematic. It is very problematic. And and I'm a little concerned. You know, if I'm if I'm the fans of Toronto Maple Leafs, and, and, and fortunately for the Leafs, they've got off to a great start and they look every much the playoff team that, you know, Everyone speculated they would be, and 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 a top competitor, uh, you know, to 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 go deep in the playoffs. Is this if this is the end result of of this negotiation? I can't believe they couldn't have got this done sooner. Well, like what kind of yeah? You know, like why why did you run this risk? So, I think William Nylander absolutely played Kyle. Uh, Dubis in this negotiation, or well, his representatives his have, and and they they were prepared to clearly were prepared to go and miss a year. Yeah, I, I I'm sorry, I didn't realize his name was Dubis. I've been calling him dumbass. Oh, <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, the thing I found kind of humorous was uh, all the players and the Toronto media, because this is like the greatest signing since sliced bread. We're saying, well, it's finally over. We don't have to talk about this anymore. Oh, really? How much no, you want to bet on hockey? Be... Yeah. How much you want to bet on Hockey Central at noon? The first thing they talk about is Nylander's contract. And now, what's it going to cost the Leafs for Marners and Matthews? We're going to hear that until freaking July. Here's And here's how it's a huge concern, right? So the window for a team like even Toronto is like absolutely now and maybe next year. And that's it. The window by paying these players as much as you're paying them early on, it's a huge problem for the league, in my opinion. There's going to be way more transitioning of players, um, way more. Your bottom six are going to have to be priced right. Never mind your top. You know, uh, it, it's it's a big problem playing paying players sooner than they've earned it, and. And I'm I'm very concerned about our Jets. You know, you look at the Jets, you look at you look at what Edmonton did by paying these. You know, McDavid is well worth the money, but you're paying Drysaddle a whole bunch of money, way too soon. And you know, you 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 have one good year, you don't get a ten million dollar contract. It just does. It shouldn't work that way. And teams can't. Teams cannot sustain. Uh, a program by paying their guy their their players coming out of their entry level deal top dollar money for what they're projected to be when they're two or three years down the road. But in, so, fa- in fairness to, on that on that thought, Daryl, and I and I absolutely agree with you. Is I don't think you should be paying for potential, but a lot of these guys that are coming up for RFA, they're already the stars on their teams and the best players on their teams, and they need to and want to be paid. And that's Jacob Truba's argument, right? No. Well, sure, but 
There's a big difference between being uh, a top player on your team versus top player in the league. And and I don't think William Nylander is, uh, you know, it was well well documented on on last night's uh, you know hockey night in Canada show. He might not even be in the top five on the Leafs. Well, they were. That so, Brian Burke was saying he's their sixth best because he says he figures Jake Gardner's more valuable than him, and Jake Gardner's an RFA looking for some money, and he's not going to get it. That's right. So there's there's a lot of problems attached to Nylander getting this deal, and and. Does he have skill? Absolutely. Does Kyle Connor have skill? Absolutely. But proofs in the pudding. After two and a half years, uh, you know, uh, Nylander had 22 games uh, in 15-16 and then 81 and 82 the last two years. You would, you know, it's maybe this is what he is. I Who knows? Does he have the ability to be more? Absolutely, if you're playing with Matthews. Uh, but, you know, I'm not sure this guy is worth the seven million dollars, and and well, here's the thing: is it's a problem. Yeah, is Nylander is he line mate dependent, or is he a driver? Um, Paul Maurice will tell you right now. We we witnessed it firsthand when they put Kyle Connor on the second line with Line A and Little. That uh, Kyle Connor's the driver of that line. He's not dependent. He absolutely he plays his game. And no disrespect to Nylander, he's got silky hands. He can shoot. He's a good skater. He's smooth, but take him away from, take him out. Put it this way: he needs Matthews more than Matthews and the guys needed him. And the Leafs' record, ten games over five hundred, is proof in the pudding right now. But I don't want to talk about the Leafs anymore because uh, it's an interesting conversation. But uh, we get enough Leaf talk. It's a problem for our Jets, though. It is a problem for our Jets. It's a problem. It's a problem for a whole bunch of other. A whole bunch of other GMs with a with a with just a terrific load of uh, RFAs coming up this year, and there seems to be some talk that there's going to see we're, we're finally going to finally going to see the uh, some GMs use the offer sheet this year, <laughs> which could be interesting. I'm not sure. I I I don't think that for a minute because um, the money that would be attached to that offer sheet would be way more than. There's so many teams that are still in that development stage and you cannot escalate that. You know, like it's, you can't rush what it takes to play in the NHL or to build a team in the NHL. And rushing, you know, he yes, he's 22 years old and he would fit in on most teams, absolutely, you know, no question about it. You know, a Nylander uh, as an example. But you need other players around you, right? Like you... You need to have other players develop at the same time. And, and we saw that with the Jets early on, that where the age gap of some of our players just uh, it wasn't fitting, where now it is fitting. And I, I'm not sure the offer sheet's a, a legitimate, you know, all, <laughs> with one exception. <laughs> There's one guy that would do it. Oh, yeah. And that's the guy down in the desert. Well, so... Because don't get me started on him after that trade he made last week. But you know what? If they don't he's offer the guy sheet, that would do it. If they don't offer sheet Austin Matthews, if he's not signed, he's an absolute idiot. Absolutely. Yeah. But uh, sure. Well, sure. Maybe. Maybe. You know, I shouldn't say absolutely. I don't know. Depends on what the price is. Can Can Arizona afford a twelve million dollar? Because you're going to have to pay a pretty penny, and you got to because you got to make sure you get that player. Well, the thing you're is, gonna Darryl, pay, you're paying you're going to pay an inflated price, which means you're then also going to give up a whole bunch of draft picks afterwards. And uh, well, they have those, so, yeah. You know, 
Well, they, but here's the thing, Daryl, is they could give him the max contract possible, and they still might not reach the uh, salary cap floor. I mean, the last two years they've taken on uh, uh, salaries from other teams just to, just to make the floor. They, they have so many young guys that are in their lineup that are still on entry levels. Uh, some of those guys will be coming due next year and the year after, but uh, yeah, they could totally blow the blow the wad on Matthews. But uh, <laughs> that's that's another story. But uh, I got to ask you a question. Um, I'm sure you watched the Jersey game last night. Absolutely. Um, I want you and your best Gary Bettman slash Bill Daly, whomever whomever's in charge of officiating. I want you to explain how you embellish being cross-checked in the back to the ice. <laughs> Please explain it to me. No, I'm, I'm there's, dead serious. There's no, it is so irrational in the thought process that um, all I can think of, and this would be a typical NHL response to it, is both referees uh, may not have had the best angle and took it for what it was worth based on the angle they had. Like That would be a crazy silly answer that you would get right um there's no explanation for that and that 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 entire game uh, was a travesty from a refereeing perspective and uh you know uh you just got to be better is it any coincidence that it was i believe <laughs> correct me if i'm wrong i believe it was was it not that francois or is his name francis uh saint laurent you got me there He's it could the, be easily, you know, we'll he, we'll come back to that to that particular comment in a minute because I'm pretty sure I can dig that up here. Uh, but we'll talking. continue on with the conversation. Yeah, I, I think it's him, and for some reason he's been sticking it to us for a couple years. So, um, uh, I mean, I watched that and I was horrified. I I could not believe it. Um, I just I needed an explanation and. Um, I'm still waiting for one, and I expect a phone call from uh, Count Chocula. Uh, I want to hear what he has to say. <laughs> I want to hear what he has to say about that because there is no way. You can be the best spin doctor in the world, and there's no way on earth you can spin that. Like when the guy's head snaps, okay, <laughs> and he's he's on the ice like he was. How the hell do you embellish that? <laughs> You have to be some kind of Gumby, Gumby man, rubber man, uh, contortionist. That was, uh, I mean, I've seen some bad calls in my day, but that was definitely one of them. Speaking of it, bad calls. It wasn't, oh, uh, it was Francois Saint Laurent and Trevor Hansen who officiated that game. Yeah, it wasn't Trevor Hansen who made the call. It was Saint Laurent. Saint Laurent. Yeah. Okay, now here's another one. Okay. And uh, I like to relate everything to Buff. I always go, you know, if Buff did that, or if Buff did this, or if Buff did that, um, that would be like a major penalty, a suspension. We'd be throwing him out of the league. You can't tell me that Taylor Hall, that cross-check on Josh Morrissey in overtime, was not a penalty, was not... I'm going to go as far to say as that was dirty, dangerous, and borderline suspendable, and not a call in that game. Same two referees in that game. Less guys on the ice. It's three on three. What the hell could you be looking at? You could not have possibly missed that. What is going on? Well, it goes. It goes to the entire evening, right? Like that whole night um, was a, a travesty when it comes to officiating. And and you know, I, I'm not sure because that that play happens far too often in this league. Um, 
you know, it, 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 it just does. And, um, you know, I think, I think, uh, in the same game last night, it was Shife hit a guy in the corner pretty hard from the back. And I was thinking to myself, Oh, there's a penalty, but no, uh, the, you know, it didn't happen, but there's no question in, in my mind that that's a two minute penalty. And, um, it, you know, but so what the referees are now going to inject themselves into the game and they don't want to negatively impact the game or, or, or is this some sort of, we need the devils to start, uh, you know, uh, we need de- the devil fan base to get behind this team some more and this, that, whatever else, or, you know, some other external, you know, I, I'm not trying to be a conspiracy theorist here. <laughs> it was so bad of a call. I can't explain why it wasn't made is my point. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I got, uh, like I, t- I was texting with a buddy of mine from, uh, in Alberta and I, after when Scheif finally scored the OT winner, I just went, I just said to him justice, you know, like, because I hate, I hate losing a game like that when a call like that could have indirectly factored into the game. Now, as it turns out, it didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure Josh would disagree with that. He didn't look very healthy when he got up. His helmet was all crooked and everything. He looked like that Adam Party guy in Chicago. He was wearing the party. <laughs> Speaking of which, Party's did you helmet. see the, the, a big shout out to Wheeler? He had the rally <laughs> yeah. going. Yeah, I noticed that. I that was that. so funny. Was oh, I, I thought he was pulling the Adam Party drunk guy in Chicago too. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Um, I gotta ask this. Okay, this is okay, gonna take this. This is a little tongue in cheek, little be being cheeky, but uh, it's a yes or no question, and you can't justify it. You can't answer the question based on production. Okay, I don't care if Line A gets sixty goals this year. Here's the question: Is there a player in the NHL that coughs up the puck? Within ten feet of his own blue line and in the neutral zone, more than Patrick Laine. It's a yes or no uh, question, Daryl. If no, to, because I'm sure there's somebody else who doesn't more. But uh, I wish I, I had I Tim and Sid. I wish I had Tim and Sid's buzzer here because I'd be giving you the zzz, wrong answer. <laughs> this guy, that puck. It's because there's a guy on the blue line that does it just the same. Yes, but this. So let's let's. Yes, I know. There's a guy behind him. Like I said, probably just as well, you know, (laughs) a little taller than him, but just as lanky and and. But you know what? Uh, Number fifty-seven is low-hanging fruit. That's that's easy picking on him. But Liney, when he's in the offensive zone, his stick is like a Stradivarius bow. Okay, it's magic. When he's in. The neutral zone or by his own blue line, he looks like he's six foot nine, eight hundred pounds, and his stick weighs five hundred pounds, and his stick isn't a stick, it's a pipe wrench. <laughs> he just he cannot like a lot of times he does the right thing and he can't get a break. He tries sometimes to feather those little sweet passes that get picked off easy. Uh, yeah. and the and he's getting a bit of a reputation on guys like oh, when, absolutely. The, when the puck gets new near him, they're 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 pinching down and they're busting on him. So he even has to be even faster and better than the rest of the guys. But uh, I just, you know, I noticed a few more today, and I kind of chuckle every time. Um, I really get bitchy when we're losing and those happen. But when we're winning, you know, the curmudgeon's pretty good, right? He's uh, He can take it in stride. But, yeah, I, I kind of chuckle at how he's still. Like, and here's the, good, here's the funny part. He's actually getting better at it. <laughs> he, he, was like, he was like 30 for 30 last month of getting it out. And he's, uh, he's actually started out this road trip, I'd say. I don't think he's batting 500 yet, but he's maybe batting around 333. 
which would make him an all-star in baseball, but not in uh, getting the puck out in hockey. I, I play <laughs> in, my, in my beer, my beer league hockey on Fridays and Saturdays. There's a guy who's, uh, he would have to be 65 ish, 66. And you know, the best thing about his game is this little lazy saucer pass. And it just reminds me of what, uh, what, what Liney does every once in a while. And this, that little lazy saucer pass that lays down flat or gets picked off. It's kind of, you know, I'm going to have to remind me, remind myself on, uh, next Friday to, <laughs> to call him, uh, you know, Patrick Liney. Time to get number 29. Okay. Yeah. Here's another serious question. Uh, and I'm kind of and I'm kind of basing this on New Jersey's uh, third goal, the tying goal with the goalie pull the other night. And the only thing I need to know, once again, I want Gary Bettman, Bill Daly, and all the rest of the cronies down at Count Chocula's headquarters to explain to me what the purpose of the crease is and the blue paint, because it's lost on me now. Of course, Brossois didn't really make him much of an attempt to uh, to get up there when he was sprawled out and. He really couldn't, though, because he had guys standing beside him. He had Taylor Hall jumping over top of him. He had Taylor Hall impeding him. He had a bunch of guys in the crease. It was like, you know what it was like? It was like the buffet line at Footy Goody. What? The, like, I couldn't. What the hell was it going looked, on there? It looked worse than it was because I don't think anybody actually touched him Nobody until after the move. puck was in the net. But yeah. there was three guys standing in the crease. I know. He couldn't move, though. Well, that's and, exactly. And he had to wait for Taylor Hall to jump over top of him before he could make a move. And by the time, like, I mean, Truba had a guy around the neck trying to tackle him. And Morrissey, like, that's kind of like what I like when Buff is there. He just kind of just clears him out if he can. Well, that, th- there's no question about it. Our our net front coverage is awful. Like, it, it hasn't been good for the last week or so. Yeah, I mean, and in fairness, once again, the game is changing. And it's almost like you can't touch anybody. Um, I mean, I know I look at the other end of the ice and I watch Scheif and Wheeler and, you know, the guys that do go to the net cop and, uh, and Lowry, they get hammered pretty good. And, uh, the kind of that Chicago game was like, for me, was the poster boy of, you know, being able to stand around. I mean, what's his name? Was it Debrinket or I can't remember who it was. Basically caught a pop fly in Helly's crease, put it down to the ice and snapped it in with three guys standing around him watching him. Like, I mean, <laughs> I think he might have put his, his hand up and called for the infield fly rule because, uh, yeah. because that was, uh, that was scary, ugly. And I wasn't happy about that, but, uh, uh at least we hung on to win that game. Um, uh, just, uh, just before we, we pack her up here, any, uh, any concern over us puking up these leads quite a bit, uh, seems like more, more, more often than not lately. Third period. I, I don't, I don't put uh, much stock. <laughs> Well, I know it happened again last night, right? Right. Uh, up 3-1, it's, it shouldn't shouldn't happen. But last night was a different beast, so they're going to get a pass from me, uh, in, you know, in terms of this penchant to give them up. But, um, you know, it was like we were talking about earlier, that penalty, uh, you know, uh, late in the, in, in the third period, just, you know, you score, you don't get a penalty kill, and... You know that's on the penalty kill there. You know they got at that time of the game they got to shut that down. But uh, you know, and then when you're a one goal one goal situation, <laughs> it's anybody's game really. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, you know, you know they're coming back uh, and pulling the goalie, and but uh, you know it didn't take them long after they pulled the goalie to score. So, 
but it's to me our def- our defensive zone coverage continues to be problematic as a whole and you know we take it takes us way too much effort to get pucks out of our zone and and it costs it costs us time it costs us uh, you know your matchups like there's so many aspects of the game that are problematic when you're not not able to get out of the zone cleanly yeah and that's today's NHL that's just the way it's played now so it's uh... Yep. Yeah, I mean, and like, you know, Paul Marie said, too, you look at, look at the Pittsburgh game, because that was the one that ir- really irritated me. I mean, they had five shots on goal. <laughs> one was a, one one deflected off the two guys into the slot for a, a banger, like for a bang-bang, and then Helly completely whiffed on that one, and that's another story. Oh, boy. Uh, seems like ever since last year in the playoffs when he was playing mind games with the camera in the dressing room and and then that Vegas series where he had an excuse for every goal that went in him that was crap, he's... Uh, you see him sort of flinch now. He's always checking his shoulder with a hole in his armpit. He has this look on his face. Like, oh, I can't believe that beat me. You know, like he's going through something. Mm-hmm. He's going through something right now. And you know, I'm gonna be honest. I'm not worried about Hellebuck. He's 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 a quality goaltender. He's just maybe going through a little bit of a like he was pretty good tonight. For he didn't have a lot of work. He was okay. Yeah, he, he was yeah. pretty good. He made he made a few saves when he had to. Uh, I can't fault him on any of the goals he let in. But no. uh, you know, None. like overall, like. Put it this way, uh, we go as far as he takes us. I don't care if Shifley, Wheeler, Liney score 60 goals. And all. I don't care if all four of them get 100 points. We are not going to outscore our opposition, and especially in the playoffs, we go as far as Connor Hellebuck takes us. So I'm crossing both my toes, both my fingers, and and hope he gets his game back to where he was last year where he was a Vezina finalist. Uh, he's not there yet. Uh, will he get there? Does he miss not having Steve Mason around to push him? I don't know if he's too comfortable now, the big contract. You can mention a million things. Uh, when push comes to shove, I think he'll be all right. I would like to think so, yes. <laughs> yeah, let's, keep, like, let's cross our fingers. Well, we're basically done today, Daryl. Uh, uh, we come home next week, a uh, couple home games, I believe. Uh, who do we have next week, Washington in town? Uh, you know what? You got me there. I think Washington uh, and I think Buffalo, too. No, well, we, we just had Buffalo, didn't we? We just yeah, had Buffalo. Yeah, they Buffaloes. beat us. I think we got Washington. Oh, we can look it up later. It doesn't much matter. I don't really care. <laughs> I just, well, I'll turn the TV on and, and watch, who's a, what, watch who's a, whoever comes to town and hope that uh, we can continue being a beast on home ice anyway. Um, just want to thank you for uh, joining me again today here. Get this one out of the way and... Uh, Get this up and running tomorrow morning. Uh, listen to all our uh, listeners. Once again, you know where to get us. WinnipegHockeyTalk.com uh, You can get us on Anchor FM, Podomatic, Spotify, uh, where else? I, you know, iTunes. Subscribe to us. Uh, yeah. it's, uh, we're just about anywhere you can find podcasts on sports nowadays. So until next Monday, Daryl, um, thank you for joining me. Uh, go Jets, go.